So have you ever had a surprise at Easter? I mean, you know, maybe an unusual Easter or something happened as you guys were celebrating Easter. You know, I thought back on my life and early in our marriage, Susan and I, we, we woke up one morning to, on Easter morning and we got in a, in a red Vega station wagon. Anybody remember Vegas, huh? <laughs> Why are you laughing about that? I, that, that, that and, and we got in the car with my in-laws, who, by the way, are sitting in the back someplace there, right? There they are, Bobby and Gilbert Hoganson. They're here from Texas on the race. Yeah. And so we woke up that morning and we got in this station wagon and we went to Easter worship. Now, where did we go to do Easter worship? We went to the drive-in theater. That I remember, okay? You ever done that? No? Really? I mean, I guess that's something we just do in Missouri, right? I mean, I, I don't know. Anyway, we went there, and I got to thinking about it. This is a picture of a drive-in movie worship experience. Like, what, what would you do if you were in your car and you needed to raise your hand like that? The Holy Spirit said, raise your hand. Well, I think this couple figured it out right here. <laughs> you open the sunroof. Just stick your hand out the window. I had another Easter where I was in Togo, West Africa at a church, and, and you can see the arrows pointed at the praise band. There were three people in the praise band. One had a big drum. The next one had a medium-sized drum. And the other guy had a small drum. And that was our music for the day. And it was awesome. And here's me trying to keep up with that African rhythm, you know. It was not exactly pretty, uh uh-uh. The message ended, and you know what we did? We actually had a conga line that danced around the church. That's how joyous that church was. That was an Easter that I remember. Now, I have to confess, and you probably too, you know, you probably don't remember the details of church services that you've been to all these Easter years. You know, if you've been going to church for a while, every year you come and, you know, you take part of a service, you probably don't remember everything. Maybe you remember some things. But I guess, I'm guessing there is one thing that you do remember. I know that for me, I always remember the main message. And you've heard it several times already, but let's do it one more time. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. That last word's really important. I'll explain why in just a few minutes. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for the gift of Easter and the power it brings into our lives. Surprise us today. Surprise us today with a new understanding of what it means that uh, you have risen, that your, your son has had been raised from the dead, surprise us with what that means for us now, in this world right now, and what you will do in the future. May your spirit be here to teach us, each of us, as, Father, you encourage us with this celebration of Easter, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I would propose to you that Easter week, what we have just gone through and celebrated, is the single most important week in all of human history. Now, I know that's a big claim, but I want to spend a few minutes talking about why I believe that is true. If you think about the events, all the way back last Sunday, we celebrated Palm Sunday. Then to Passover, Monday, Thursday evening. And then Friday, Good Friday, Jesus hung on a cross. And then 
Holy Saturday, yesterday, as Jesus was laid to rest and rested in a tomb. I believe this week is the most important week in all of human history. Let me just explain why. And on your sermon notes card, there are five words. Five words that will help you unpack why I believe this is true. First of all, when we think of Palm Sunday, what was the word that they shouted as Jesus came in? It was Hosanna. Now, what does Hosanna mean? Anybody know? It means simply, and write this down in your sermon notes card, oh, save us, or save now. It's a prayer. Please save us. See, the challenge for the Jews, they knew they needed to be saved. They knew they needed something. Just like today, we know that we, something is wrong, something is broken. We need to be saved. And they were just asking Jesus to please do that work. As he came in on a donkey as a king, coming in peace to do that work. You know, Jesus' name in Hebrew is Yeshua, and it means simply God saves. And, and really what, what they're asking is, Jesus, just do who you are. Just do that for us. Save us. But save us from what? Jesus was so clear on Passover evening. You know what the word Passover is all about? It's about death passing over us. Maybe you remember the story from the Old Testament. The Israelites are in slavery, and, and uh, they're about to be brought out of slavery, and God instructs them to take a spotless lamb and put the blood over the doorpost so that the angel of death will pass over, that death will pass over them. And then they are released because, because of what happens among the Egyptians. And they're released into freedom. But death passes over them. And Jesus is saying, look, that's what I want to save you from. I become your Passover lamb on that Thursday night, the night before he was betrayed. He took bread, broke it. You've heard those words as we celebrated communion. As we do that, we're reminded that Jesus is our Passover lamb. His body, his blood given for us. On Friday, Jesus is on the hill called, that we call Golgotha. What does that mean? It means the skull. The skull. And some people believe that that's just a reference to the geographical features of a hill in Israel, that that's, it's supposed to just represent death. In fact, there is a hill that looks a little bit like a skull. You can see it there. That's in Jerusalem. And people debate, you know, exactly where did the crucifixion take place. But the church never has really understood it as being that. It's not the physical place. It's actually a skull that Golgotha and Calvary, the word Calvary means the same thing. It's, it's a graveyard. It's a graveyard. There are bones. That's the way we are to think about where Jesus was crucified. He was crucified above the grave of Adam. The early church understood this. You can see it in this painting. There's a skull beneath the cross. And that skull is not just any old bones. That's Adam's bones. Those are Adam's bones. And you see the, 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 the first Adam, he ushered in sin and death into the world at the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden. And the second Adam, which we call Jesus, he ushers in life at the tree we call the cross. And his blood drips down and enlivens us, and Adam and all his descendants. We receive the gift of life because of what Jesus has done on the cross. 
Jesus laid in the tomb on the Sabbath. What does Sabbath mean? It means rest. It's a day of rest. And they practiced that because in creation, Jesus or God works six days. He works six days to create the world. And then he rested. And, and Jesus is recreating. He's recreating the world. And he, and he then on the Sabbath day that the Jews would have understood, he rested. And we see the creation story and, and the redemption story coalescing into one. As God reconciles the world to himself. As he takes away the curse. The curse of death. The curse of sin. And he takes it away from us so that we can have life. And then Jesus is inviting us to enter into that Sabbath with him. So he says, all of you who are weak and weary and burdened, come to me. You don't have to prove yourself to God anymore. I'm going to give you that relationship. It's yours because of what I did on the cross. But you see, none of that really means anything unless he demonstrates the power to actually do it. And so on Easter Sunday morning, this, this idea of rest becomes a hallelujah. The word that we said at the end of that phrase, hallelujah, simply means to praise God, to praise Yahweh. What are we praising for? Because of what he's done in creation, because what he's done to recreate and rejoin us to him, and what he's going to do in each of our lives, now while we're alive and in the future. Praise God. The, the week starts with a prayer, please save us, and ends with the hallelujah that says it has been done. He created, he's recreated, he's going to work in our lives now. Now the only question this morning is, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you understand the reality of the resurrection, the power of it, the certainty of it, the evidence for it? Because there's good evidence for it. It's real. That question was put to uh, Christians in our country. Do you believe in Jesus, that he rose from the dead? And 63% or 64% of people said yes. That means only, only two-thirds. About two-thirds of Christians actually believe in the resurrection. Is it possible to be a Christian and not believe in the resurrection? I don't think so. It's what he came to do. It's the foundation of our faith. Paul says, look, if this didn't happen, we're all fools. Why are we even here? But it did happen, and there's plenty of evidence that supports the reality of the resurrection. It's a dividing line in history. It separates our calendars from B.C. to A.D. It also is a dividing line in our lives. It's a fork in the road moment where we all have to sit back at this fork of the road and we have to decide which path will we go down. Do we believe this or not? And the destinations, the two destinations that are indicated by that fork in the road are vastly different. So we, as Christians, uh, can we have doubts? I don't know. I'm going to just confess to you. I'm, I have doubted the resurrection time. Anybody else with me? Uh, have you ever doubted the resurrection? Sure. Because it's like, really? How in the world does God do that? Is it possible for him to do that? How does that work? Our scientific, naturalistic minds, we just don't see that happen every day. So it's a difficult 
It's a difficult moment for us. And, but, you know, here's the thing. As doubters, we're in good company. Did you know that? We're in good company. Look at this passage we heard read a few minutes ago. But they, the disciples, did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. I mean, isn't that what you would say if somebody, you were, somebody came to you and said, somebody's been raised from the dead? Wouldn't you say, that's like, no way. Couldn't happen. Peter, however, showed us what to do. He got up and he ran to the tomb. We have a question about resurrection. What do we do? We should run to the tomb. We should go look. We should see what, what, what's this tomb about. And, and Peter, at the tomb, he picked up the grave clothes and he wondered what had happened. That's what we need to do. If we've got, ever got a doubt, if we've ever got a question, you need to go to the tomb. You need to study the resurrection. You need to ask yourself, did it really happen? You know, uh, Susan and I got to see this movie last week called Case for Christ. Anybody seen it yet? It's a pretty good movie. It's even a better book. And uh, the Case for Christ is simply the story of a journalist who rejected Christ. He was an atheist. And he said, I'm going to prove, I'm going to prove that this is just not true. The whole empty tomb theory. I'm going to prove it. And he sets out on a journey to do that. And guess what happens? He studies the facts, and he ends up becoming a Christian. You see, there's plenty of evidence. If you're sitting here today and you, you doubt this reality, there's plenty of evidence. I want to tell you to run to the tomb like Peter did. Examine the evidence. And, uh, you know, if, if you'll go to that movie, if you've got doubts, if you'll go to that movie and then call me for a cup of coffee and we can talk about it, I'll pay for your movie. How's that sound? Is that a good deal? Right? So y'all run to the movie soon. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you don't want to wait for a movie or show, we've got several of these little booklets out front. And I, I just want, I want to encourage you to pick one up, start reading it, and then call me for a cup of coffee and let's talk. I would love to have the discussion with you. I understand the doubts that we have. Let me help you. Let us help you as a church run to the tomb and examine What's going on? Paul says it this way. He says, look, he says, this is so important. He says, but in fact, notice he didn't say in fiction or in story or mythology. He said, in fact, Paul says, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits, what's that word? Why is it first fruits? Jesus is the first to come out of the grave, and guess what? He's not the last. You and I are the second fruit of the grave. We will come out of our grave. That's why this is so important. That's why it's so important to you and to me. And you know, when you think about um, our lives, sooner or later, we get to a point where we realize that, well, we're getting a little older. Maybe some of you have already experienced that, right? I'm pretty sure that the marketers around uh, me, the, pe the pe people that know me, I mean, the marketers that know me, they know my number, because just recently, my mail started to change. I started to get stuff like this. <laughs> now, the boss has turned 60, but guess who else has turned 60? All right? And so this starts showing up in my mailbox. And they know I'm getting older. And then I start getting this really cheery mail, mail like this. It says, are you prepared for the next phase of your life? He says, you know, come enjoy a free dinner and then get some wealth information 
from legal, financial, and end-of-life experts. It's like, hey, have a great meal, too, while you're uh, studying that, right? Absolutely. This comprehensive seminar will get you, to thinking, get you thinking and moving in the right direction. Well, I sure hope so. But you know, my job's kind of like that, to get you thinking and moving in the right direction, because wherever you are on this age scale thing, sooner or later, you're going to be in this next phase of your life. And it's important. And, you know, I had to laugh because just this week I get, I get some hope, some cheery mail. Here, this, I thought this was interesting. MIT scientist predicts the end of aging by 2019, so I only have to last a couple more years and I'm going to be fine. <laughs> Start taking some vitamins. What do these letters mean? You want to rest in peace? Jesus didn't. You think about that? Let's just read this one more time so we know. What's it say? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. He didn't rest. He wasn't, he's not resting now. He's alive. He is risen. He's living now, and he's risen. The only question for you and I is, can we say this? Would you read this with me? I will rise. I will rise indeed. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? That's the promise of Easter. The promise of Easter is simply as, as Brenda read, she said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. We will face death, but we'll face it knowing that we will live forever. There's one story that's told that helps us understand that this resurrection is for us. This is a picture of the story from the catacombs in Rome. The place where many, many Christians are buried, and they would paint these images on the wall to provide them some hope and encouragement. This is the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Maybe you've heard it. Jesus uh, has a friend named Lazarus, and uh, he's sick. His sisters send for Jesus, and would you heal him? You know, they had hopes that, they, that he would do that. And he shows up late. Four days later, Lazarus is dead. Now, here's the first reaction Jesus has. Jesus weeps. Jesus wept, Scripture tells us. He met Mary and he wept because pain is, uh, death brings such great pain into our lives, doesn't it? So unnatural. If you've ever lost somebody close to you, it's just so unnatural for them to go. And he weeps with Mary. He's not weeping for Lazarus because he knows he's going to raise him from the dead. But he's weeping for Mary. The story goes on, and uh, Jesus, being moved deeply by this, this circumstance, he came to the tomb, and it was a cave. Now, this happened, this happened right before Jesus went into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He went into a cave. Sound familiar? A stone lay against it. A door. Sound familiar? It's a tomb, just like the one Jesus would be entering. Take away the stone. And Martha said, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there'll be an odor, for he's been dead Four days. I love the King James version of this. He says, Lord, Lord, you can't remove the door because he will stinketh. <laughs> and indeed, he did. Stinketh. He stinketh. He's been dead for four days. And Jesus knew that. In fact, I believe Jesus probably stayed away for four days so that everybody knew he was dead. Really dead. Not, he's not resuscitated here. In fact, 
You know, I don't think it makes any difference to Jesus if he'd been dead four days or 400 years. He can still do what he's about to do. He goes on, and Jesus has this dialogue. He says to, to Mary, he says, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so he, they took away the stone, and Jesus has this prayer with his father. He says, I thank you that you have heard me. I know you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around, that they may believe you sent me. This is a miracle to tell us something, that who Jesus is and what he can do and his power and his promises for our lives. That's what this is. It's just a demonstration of his resurrection power. And then it happens. He cries out with a loud voice. He says, Lazarus, come out. And, you know, I have to put in my mind, I have to put myself right in the middle of that story. And, you know, because Lazarus was covered up in grape clothes and he had spices wrapped around him, maybe 40 pounds of that stuff, and he's laying down. So it had to take just a minute, didn't it, for, for him to get up and get out to the door of the tomb? And I just think about that, you know, the, the glances that would have been going on between Mary and Jesus and the crowd. And like, is it really going to happen? I mean, it's kind of like, this guy's nuts, isn't he? And then all of a sudden at the door of the tomb, you see Lazarus. <laughs> Somebody let me out of here, please. <laughs> That's just my mind. I'm sorry. I just had to let you in, you know, a little bit, you know. Yeah. There he is. He's alive. It's unbelievable. And, and so the man who died had came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped up. He couldn't talk. He said, unbind him and let him go. And that's what they did. They took off the grave clothes. And you see, you and I, we know that we'll are going to overcome death. We, we, we get that kind of, but there's another message to this that we need to explore for just a second. You see, we have, we have darkness in our lives now. We have tombs in our lives now. We have, we have times where we feel we're bound up by something, that we're, we're kept in, in, in a prison by grave clothes. And what, what God wants to do with us today is he wants to say, look at what I've done. I've solved the problem of death, which is the main problem you have. It should change your perspective on every other issue you face, whether it's a health problem, financial problem, relationship problem. I have done all this so that you know that I can call, if I can call you out of death, can't I call you out of any other darkness in this life? That's what I want to do. The power of the resurrection works not only when we die, but it works right now for us. As you came in today, you received a grave cloth. I want you to pull that out for a second. And, uh, we're going to have a reflection song, and what I want you to do is just hold on to that and think about what's binding you up right now. What's keeping you in darkness? What difficulty, challenge, fear, or anxiety, what's, what's holding you back? And we're going to hear this song. I'm going to pray that we're going to hear this song. And, and, and the prayer partners are going to be available. If you need prayer during that time, I want to encourage you to do that, to go and get prayer. But I want you to think about how God needs to set you free right now. How he needs to cut off the grave clothes. And just thank him and praise him that he's demonstrated to us this Easter that he can do it. Would you pray with me? Father, uh, thank you for the power of Easter, what it means for our lives now. Certainly, Lord, we thank you that you've overcome the enemy that we call death. 
But we just ask now that uh, that power, that resurrection power, that you could help us to see how that can help us be set free now, that you can call us out of darkness into the light, that you want to do that, Father, in our lives. What an amazing, beautiful name it is, Jesus, who worship today, who has done all of these things for us, that we might be clean and alive. And Father, that we might live forever with you. We thank you for that, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for spending some time in God's Word with us during this message. It was recorded live in worship at Trinity Church in Lyle, Illinois, where God is leading us on our mission to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Would you like to know more about a relationship with Christ, or more about Trinity, who we are, what we believe, and where and when you might join us in worship or a growth group? Please visit our website at tlc4u.org. That's the letters T-L-C, the number four, and the letter U, dot org. May God bless you and yours abundantly through Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening.